glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stand if you would please. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that would that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Thank you. you may be seated. Just kind of remind you of what we looked at last week. I've divided the chapter into three parts for my own understanding. We have what we saw last week is Paul's greeting, his dutiful greeting, verses one through five. And we don't want to, you know, we didn't want to just gloss past that quickly. Uh, the greetings, though many of them sound alike, are not accidental. We saw that immediately Paul begins to emphasize that he was an apostle, not of men neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. I believe, as I said, as you go through the book, this is going to make a little more sense. There were people coming in to the Galatian church and trying to get the Galatians to follow their form of gospel. Uh, they were trying to get outward things, uh, the, the Galatians to, uh, uh, to adhere to outward traditions, outward things such as circumcision, so they could say those are people we have, we have got to go our way uh, they were people who gloried in the flesh. And they were, so there were men coming in who were emphasizing what men see. Now we understand 
God looks in the heart, man looks in the outward appearance. But you also understand hypocrisy and false religion lives not for what God sees, but for what man sees. We saw that this morning. False religion is man's effort to cover what we really are from the eyes of other men so they believe us to be something we're not, so that we can conceal what we truly are. That's not the way God does it. God works in the heart, and the work He does in the heart is manifest outwardly, but true religion, pure religion, if you would, the only time religion is used in the Bible is in James, and that is to keep ourselves unspotted from this world, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, to keep ourselves unspotted from this world. That has to do with selflessness. That has to do with sincerity before God. And so then there were men coming in trying to get the Galatians to conform to an outward rule so they could say, look, we got us those people. See there, they are conforming to what we said. And they changed the gospel, perverted the gospel in the process. And so a number of the things Paul's dealing with, he's going immediately to the issue at hand. He said, I'm an apostle, but not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Already he's declaring the gospel in his introduction. We saw that last week. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. I started to say, when you first read this chapter, it can sound like Paul is one of these lone ranger apostles that said, I don't need any man. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the origin of his apostleship and the origin of the gospel. It's not a man-made gospel. It's not, he, he did not have a, a man-made uh, ap- apostleship. This was divinely appointed, and he's going to continue to declare that, and then at the end of the chapter, he's going to, de- to demonstrate that. And so he says, verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so he gives... In his introduction, it, it, there's, there's a host of things stated that the gospel brings glory to God, false doctrine brings glory to men. You can see that already insinuated. So then we focused much of our attention last week on Paul's defense of the gospel. Verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Uh, Paul was used of God to preach the gospel to these people. The Holy Spirit of God was used to convince them of the truth of the gospel. They had been soon removed from the person who had led them to Christ, from the person that had had brought them to, to faith in the Lord. And Paul is marveling that they were so soon removed to another gospel. And as we saw last week, he says, which is not another. It is different than what I preached to you, but it's not a gospel at all. And he'll get into why that was true. And he begins to defend the gospel that he preached. He says in verse 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Now let me ask you something. How different does the gospel have to be to be another gospel? Absolutely, which makes it another gospel. If you, if the gospel we're preaching is Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, He raised from the dead, and the good news is what He's done for us. If it's more than that, somebody says, well, yes, Christ died for our sins. Yes, He raised from the dead, but careful. 
When Paul defined the gospel, as we saw last week in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 on down through about verse 10, he said, The gospel that I preached unto you is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried, and according to the Scripture, he's raised from the dead. The gospel is not the good news about what we can do for him. The gospel is the good news of what God in Christ has done for us. And when we start adding what we do as part of the gospel, the saving message of God is, well, Christ died for us, and that kicks in after all you can do. That's not the gospel. It's not as though you work and get as close to heaven as you can and Jesus died to make up the last six inches. No. You and I are alienated from God without Jesus Christ. You can't get close to God. And that's the gospel. And so Paul, it's very clear. What he's saying is you you and I have a clear definition of what the gospel is. It's what Christ Jesus has done. That's the gospel. And the gospel is not what we do for him. It's what he's done for us. And so he gets very clear. And if somebody comes preaching another gospel, what does he say? Let him be a curse. Don't don't entertain it. Don't make excuses for it. If someone's preaching another gospel, don't try to incorporate it. Let him be accursed. Well, that's popular preaching. You know why? Do you know why the Bible has been abandoned wholesale? Because other things have been accepted in its place. And the fact of the matter is, what is many times, not only the message, please hear me tonight, not only the message of the Bible, but the mannerisms found in the Bible are very unwelcome in many of the life of a believer. How many of us think if a preacher showed up at Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church tonight and he stood up here and he said, Church, I've known you. So let's say somebody's come and preached us many times before. He says, I have known you now for a number of years and I marvel at the false doctrine you are tolerating in this church. What if he said that to us directly? We'd be... And what if I were sitting here? You know, my goodness, what an indictment on me as a pastor. How do you think the leadership of the churches of Galatia felt? Paul sent them an epistle and he did not beat around the bush. He said, I marvel you have been removed from the from him that called you into the grace of Christ, not into the good works of yourself, but the grace of Christ. I marvel that you've been duped by false gospels. Later he'll say, who hath bewitched you? And we can understand why many times extra biblical writings are preferred over biblical writings because God's word is to the point. It cuts. How many of us understand when we get into Galatians 1, Paul had some concerns for the churches of Galatia. Is that pretty clear? Are we confused about what his concerns were? No, it's very clear. You have opened your ears to a message that is not the same as the one that was preached to you from the word of God. And what I brought you was not my opinion, Paul says. What I brought you was not my ideology. I am not an apostle of men. What I got, I got by revelation from Jesus Christ. What I got is consistent with what James got and what Peter got, and we didn't even know each other. That's part of what he's trying to say. He's not ripping on James. He's not ripping on Peter. He's saying, I've got the same message they've got, and they didn't give it to me. But yet we're preaching the same thing. And he's trying to help these people see when you open your mind to another message of salvation other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to harm you 
And so then he defends the, the primacy, the, the, the supremacy, if you would, of the, of the gospel. It alone must, it, it must, it must judge men. Men are judged by what we do with the gospel. That's what he's saying. The gospel is not, here's what happens in our day, and I'm re-preaching last Sunday night, so forgive me. But many times what we do is we judge the message of a man by the man who's delivering the message. That must be a good message. Look how successful that man's ministry is. That must be a true message. Look how fast that church is growing. That message must be true. Have you heard the dynamic way in which it is delivered from that preacher? That message must be true. It's logical. Now, I'm not saying God's word is illogical. Don't misunderstand me. But many times we'll say, well, that man has to be true. I mean, he, he, you know, we'll judge his message by the man instead of saying, that man may be a good speaker and that man may have a thriving ministry and that man may be well known, but what he's preaching is con- contrary to what the Bible says is the gospel. He's adding, he's adding things to it other than the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Every other thing flows out of that. And so Paul says, let him be accursed. Even if it's an angel, Paul, as we said last week, included himself, if I come to you and I change my message, let me be accursed. Meaning the man is judged by the message. This, look, this is the constant. And if I can encourage here in this first chapter, I see so much the the failure of so many Christians that I've watched in my life to be steadfast and unmovable is that they prefer personality over principle. Personalities over principle. They say, well, I know that guy's kind of changed his beliefs, but man, I love that guy. Well, that's great. But we must be loyal to truth. Honorary Baptist Church, if we're going to be a church that's going to be faithful till our Lord Jesus comes. We got to get hold of this. Our devotion is not to a personality. Our devotion is not to a methodology. Our devotion is to a person and to his word. We must be devoted to the truth of God's word. And 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 when it comes to the gospel there is not room for multiple gospels. I, one of the things that troubles me in our day is how it is there are folks who behave like we can't be clear on what the gospel is. Here's people over here who teach that you know, God saved you uh, without you knowing, and really they turn the gospel into something that God forces salvation on you. There are those over here who say, no, you have to work for it and work to keep it, when in fact the matter is God before the foundation of the world is so plainly declared in our Bible, knew what man would do, provided a plan, came up with a way to save man, already had that in, in motion, sent his son into the world to die that Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God provided so every man can be saved, but only those who will believe will be saved. And the fact of the matter is, there's, there's, there, we act like, well, some things are hard to know what's true. The only thing that confuses this thing is not God, it's men coming up with counter-truth. There's another word for counter-truth. What is that? It's called lies. Amen? And so then Paul is saying, there's men come in, they're teaching you, another gospel, but it's not another gospel. There's not two gospels. There's only one. You know what we have a hard time with? That little thing I just said, when only one. People have a hard time believing there's only one way of salvation, only one gospel, only one true Bible. Have a hard time with that. Only one one decision that can be made that's right. No, no, no. If we do that, that means all the rest are wrong. 
right? That's, that's, that's what truth does. It eliminates everything else. Our Lord did tell us straight is the gate and narrow is the way. We're taught in our culture to be broad-minded is loving. We're taught in our culture to be open-minded and, and all these things. Look, I believe in being gracious. I believe in being patient with people. I believe in not, not being soon angry with people. I believe because that's what, our, that's what our God teaches us to be. But to tolerate a false gospel is sinful. And so, may I say this, the membership of this church, no matter how small or large this church is, must have a resolution in our heart. We will not tolerate false gospels. We're not going to open our hearts and minds to that. And so, it deals with the preservation, uh, or excuse me, the, the perverting, rather, of the gospel in verses 6 and 7, and then the, 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 the supremacy of the gospel, verses 8 through 11. We dealt with all that last week. Now, tonight... Starting in verse 12, we're going to repeat. We went through verse 12, and we're going to go back to verse 12 to begin tonight. Paul says this, excuse me, back to verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Let's, just, let's back up into the gospels. Uh, when the Lord Jesus was on this earth, the great debate over him was, was he from heaven or was he of men? Was he a self-made man? Did the doctrines that Jesus taught, were the doctrines that Jesus taught his own? Or were they actually what God gave him? There was a great debate. There were those who believed that he was the Christ, and they believed that everything he taught was divine. Everything he taught was perfect and faultless and without error, because they believed he was without error. And then there were those that believed that he was making up his own doctrines as he went. You know what the great debate over our Bible is today? Of God or of I want to tell you something. If it's of God, trust it. If it's of men, be rid of it. Here's the irony to me. People who have a problem with the Bible will often say it was written by. But then they trust some man. It's hypocrisy. And here's the question that, that Satan brings. Well, it's of men. No, no, this book is of God. It's not of men. This is a miracle book. It's a divine book. And therefore, we believe every word is to be taken as it is written. It is authoritative and binding over our lives. And so Paul is making the same argument over specifically the gospel, the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. He said, it is not of man. This was not concocted. We'll read in a few minutes. Peter said, it was not, we did not follow cunningly devised fables. This is the message of God. This is the truth of heaven. And so then... You and I must stand firmly there. When Here's where this applies to us tonight. You know, the Galatians were treating the gospel like it was one of many competing messages of equal value. And this stirs some my ire in me. When we today as Christians, to fit in with our culture, will treat the Bible as though it is on equal footing with other faiths. No! What we have is from God. And if it's not, your faith is in vain. I would rather be an atheist than a person who says he's a Christian but doesn't believe what I have came from God. And when we treat, even as sincere believers, this book like it is on equal footing with any other religious document, that's what we're doing. We're treating it like it is of man. It is not of men. It's of God. 
the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ and his sacrificial substitutional death and shed blood is the only way for a man to be made right in the sight of God. The only way for a man to be truly transformed is through that. That is not a good message that helps some people. It's the only message that can help mankind. Only, singular, solo, no more. (laughs) Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. One of the reasons we've lost boldness in our witness is we respect false gospels. We show respect for people who believe a doctrine that's going to take them to a devil's hell because they're trusting their own righteousness rather than the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul was stirred up about. You have shown respect for a gospel that's not a gospel. It's an error. And so then he is defending the, the, the supremacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ as I certify you, verse 11, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, what I know and understand of the gospel, I wasn't taught it. You know what? He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel did not teach him the gospel. No, the Lord Jesus. Who intercepted Saul? Of Tarsus, the Lord himself, the Lord himself said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You know, prior to this, Saul had heard the gospel, had he not? He heard it when Stephen preached it. And I can't help but believe that it cut him and he was pricked in his conscience. But you know who was working through Stephen to get his attention? The living son of God. He saw Stephen die and saw the Lord revealed through the life of Stephen. And then on the road to Damascus, The Lord Jesus intercepted Saul himself. And what he's saying is, I got what I got directly from the Lord. This is not a man-made system. Verse 13, he says, For ye have heard, ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. He said, you've heard, and this is where our outline is tonight, of my past conversation. This deals with the traditions that he had previously lived by. He had traditions handed down. They were not scripture. They were traditions, and he was zealous of those traditions, zealous of the Mosaic law, zealous of fastidious application of that, so much so that Saul of Tarsus was not only in this religion, the religion, by the way, that the Galatians were getting mixed back up in. That's why he's bringing this up. That's why he's the perfect apostle to deal with this. He knew what it was like to glory in your outward form. He knew what it was like to believe that you were righteous because you were circumcised the right day after you were born, that you were born of the right stock, that you had sat under the right teachers. I mean, when it came to being a perfect Jew, Paul or Saul was the perfect Jew on paper. He had it all. If you could be saved by works, he would have been. You know what amazes me? When the Bible gives us an illustration and a demonstration of the grace of God in the gospel, he does not use the gathering as his prime example. That's who I would use. Look at this man possessed of demons, living without his clothes, living in the tombs. I would say a great demonstration of the power of the gospel is some drug addict living in the gutters on the street. They've tattooed their bodies. They've ruined themselves. Their mind is shot. 
God intervenes in their lives. They hear the gospel. They get saved. Cleans them up. Now they're sane and sitting in the right mind and serving the Lord. That's demonstration of the power of the gospel. You know what God says? Because Paul clearly declares in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that God saved him that he might demonstrate his grace by saving chiefest of sinners. And you know what Paul says was the great demonstration of grace of God? That God could save a religious man. By the way, if you've ever witnessed anybody, you know the hardest people to see saved are those like him. If a man could have been saved by being good, Saul of Tarsus was it. He had followed the law fastidiously. He was zealous. He thought Christianity was coming to wipe out. Jesus prophesied of men like Saul. He said, they will do you harm and think they're doing God a favor. I'm going to do God a favor by stamping out this sect of people called Christians who say that Jesus has come that we might serve him instead of serving the Mosaic law. And he persecuted the church, zealous of his religion, meaning what Saul was, was he was absolutely fervently sincere in his religion, but he was sincerely wrong. And he said, you've heard of my past conversation, how zealous I was in my religion. Here's the Galatians, and we'll find out where the chapter's ended, or the book has ended. They had people coming in saying, yes, yes, faith in Christ, but you must. Christ came to bring you back to Mosaic law and all those traditions. And Paul is saying, not so. The gospel I preached did that in for me. Those things are past. That is done. I have no confidence in the, in the religious activity I was performing for God. He counted all that but done. Brandon, could you give us a hand here? Somebody's coming to the door. Thank you. And so then, uh, he speaks his past conversation, the traditions that he had held. Thank you. And, uh, and then we move on, letter B. He speaks of his powerful conversation. Let's look, if you would, in verse 15. It says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went up to Jerusalem uh, to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. He's going to start giving his testimony. Paul's going to start giving the testimony of how God saved him and God would call him. So our points for tonight are his past conversation, his powerful conversion. So as much as his past conversation dealt with his fastidious application of tradition, once God called him unto salvation on the Damascus Road, it was God who intervened in his life, and he did so, the Bible says, by grace. So he says again, verse 14, "...and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation." being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Now again, Paul says, I was zealous in my religion. I was, more, I was profiting above my, many of my equals, men who had the same things that I had, but my zeal put me out ahead. So I not only had good credentials, I had passion in what I was doing but he said, but God in grace intervened in my life. And by the way, God, some say, well, wait a minute. Now, Paul was called to the ministry from his mother's womb. How many of us know that God knew Paul's life being the end before Paul was ever born? All right, so Calvinists might run to this and say, see, see, see. No, God's foreknowledge does not mean God for, makes our choices for us. Don't ever get confused with that. God just saw down the line and from his mother's womb was God's plan to save Paul and use him in this way from his mother's womb? Absolutely. When did Saul know that? Not till the Damascus Road, right? Where he consented to and submitted to the will of God in his life. Here's what we don't want to miss. It was by what? 
He's, he called Paul by his grace. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to do what? To reveal his son in me. I think this is key for tonight. He did not choose Paul to reveal a religious system in him. He did not save Paul to reveal um, the greatness of, of Paul's devotion. He saved Paul that Christ might be revealed in him. When you study the life of Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle, the one thing that comes out of his life is, that man was consumed with Jesus Christ. Everywhere he went, he preached Christ. He suffered for Christ. He glorified Christ. And Paul said God's purpose for him was to reveal his son in him. The gospel does not reveal who we are. When the gospel saves a man and transforms him, it reveals Christ in us. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'll say it again. False religion glorifies man. True religion glorifies Christ. It glorifies God through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so God calling Paul by his grace to reveal Christ in him, Paul is saying, there was a conversion in my life. I was zealous. I was in my religion. And you can read in your own time, Acts chapter 9, how the Lord Jesus intercepted him on the road to Damascus. Saul says, Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? I find it amazing. When, the Lord, when Paul said, Saul said, Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? The Lord didn't say, well, I would have you to go and preach the gospel of the Gentiles. You know what he told him? He told him one thing. Go into Damascus to a street called Straight, and then I'll tell you. One of the first tests for us when we first get saved and we come to faith in Christ, if we're going to follow the Lord, is just simply doing what he tells us. Do you think Saul had a clue everything God would do with him down the line? He told Ananias in Acts chapter 9 what he would do with him. He said, I'm going to separate him. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. But the point that this, the Apostle Paul is making here to the Galatians is this. I did not choose God. God chose me. Isn't that Calvinism? It is not. Who chose to save mankind? Did man say, we're worth saving. God, come save us. No. God said, I desire to save you, and this is what I'm going to do. And then God intervenes in the life of an individual to reprove us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It is God who chooses how to use us in his service. Paul didn't say, Lord, I would make a good apostle, don't you think? No. He said, I didn't pick this. I simply submitted to what God chose by his grace. By the way, God's chosen the way of salvation. And if we choose to reject that, we choose to remain lost in our sins. And so then he deals with this past conversation, his powerful conversion. He says again, verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, speaking of the Gentiles, immediately. So once Saul knew that God had called him to preach... Do you realize in Acts chapter 9, Saul gets saved, and by the end of Acts 9, he's preaching? It wasn't like he waited all these years. He said, immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go ask permission, what do I do? I knew what God wanted me to do, and I preached. And again, he's not defying men in our lives. He's saying, God is the one who gave this. God is the one who called me to preach. And I was obedient to God in doing that. I conferred not with flesh and blood. 
Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. You can read that between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 11, the apostle Paul was apart for a while. Saul went down and found him, and army Barnabas, and brought him back to Antioch to preach. And uh, some of this history he'll fill in about his own testimony. The point he's making is that the, the message I preach is not of men. I got it from God, and therefore... I am answerable to God for what I preach. And at some great level, may I say this, we work together, God puts people in our lives to teach us, but when we, when the life that we live is done, we're going to answer to how many people? One. And what happens is the message being preached to the Galatians was easier to deal with when it came to the pressures of men. You will not be persecuted for promoting better humanity. You will be persecuted for saying righteousness comes through faith in Christ alone. The cross of Christ brings persecution with it. That's the truth of it. Paul said, and you'll find out this book of Galatians, that the Galatians were listening to a message that was easier to have as it related to men God's message is one that that exalts and magnifies the cross of Jesus Christ and requires man to humble himself before a holy God. You know what false religion does? Does it humble us or does it exalt us? It exalts us. False religion exalts us. You do this and you do this and you do this and you are worthy. The gospel says you cannot. It must be what Christ does in you. And you're not worthy. Only God is worthy. And Righteousness is through faith in Christ. And so much more to be said, but the point he is making is that it is not of men. He said, verse 17, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, here he goes again, before who? God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. Here it is, verse 24. And they glorified God in me. If we read all the way back in the introduction when he says in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he says in verse 16, that the purpose of God saving him and calling him to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the, the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And then again, verse 24, and they glorified God in me. Let me remind us of some verses we looked at last week. The gospel of God brings glory to God because God is the Savior, not man. The gospel is about the righteousness of God dealing with the unrighteousness of men. Turn with me, if you would, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We read these verses last week, but we'll read them again because this is the theme coming through in Paul's introduction in the Galatians that this is not crafted by men to the glory of men. The gospel that I preached unto you is given by God to the glory of God through the saving work of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse um, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let me ask you this. Somebody says, are you righteous? Are you saved? Oh, yeah, I believe I'm saved. Why? Well, uh, because I have been baptized, because I keep the feast, because I observe the Sabbath. So I thought we were saved by faith in Christ. Well, of course, of course I I believe in Jesus. But I'm a true believer because I do all these things. Now, true believers will do what we ought to do, right? Faith that works is dead. But how many of us understand how swiftly we can get into a false gospel by saying, the gospel is about how glorious I am. Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And I may name thy many wonderful works. In thy name cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess to them, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never Knew you. I tell you, for a long time I used to read that, and it would just, I knew it's true, but I didn't understand. Oh, my goodness. They call him Lord. They've served him. But they're standing before the Lord, boasting in who? Look what we have done for you. We've preached. We've prophesied. We've opposed the devil in your name. Lord, we are worthy because of what we have done for you. And he said, I never knew you. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, both of those verses say, worthy is the Lamb. He's worthy. The fact of the matter is, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ reveals Christ. It reveals His work for us. Not what our, It's not about us. How many of us know Paul worked hard for the Lord? But how often did he ever go around boasting about what he did for the Lord? He may have declared it. He may have recorded it to say, He's worthy. <laughs> and the gospel... Glorifies God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. A gospel that brings us to boast in our performance is a false gospel. A gospel that boasts in the work of Jesus Christ and His righteousness says, I work because of His work. It's Him in me. We are His workmanship. If I'm anything good, who gets the glory? Him, because before Christ dwelt in me and transformed me, I was a wretched man. And so we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So even the good works of a believer point back to Christ. They don't point to us. They point back to Him. And Paul is laying this groundwork that I did not give you a message crafted by men. I am not an apostle called of men. I am not preaching a message that glorifies men. I'm preaching a message that reveals Jesus Christ and thereby glorifies God. Let's look at a couple of texts as we close here. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul deals with this, excuse me, to some degree in writing to Timothy. I referenced these a few minutes ago. 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, 
For this cause I obtained mercy, that in me Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Peter says this, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and dealing with the same kind of idea about the message he was declaring and the faithfulness of it. In verse 15, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in my remembrance. We dealt with this a few weeks ago in 2 Peter 1, that Peter's concern was not that after he was dead, people would say, Wow, Peter the Apostle. That I'm not concerned if you remember me. I am very concerned that you remember what I've taught you about him. Verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know why we teach Acts 17, 11, Christianity? These are more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they search the Scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. Because we want to believe what God says. We want our confidence to rest in what God says because that is how God gets glory. As we conclude Galatians chapter 1, the clear picture is painted. The Galatians were getting caught back up into Judaism. You know what Paul says? I was there. I was in that religion that glorifies men for how well they execute the traditions. I was there and God saved me out of that to quit declaring my righteousness and rather to declare His. It was not about my religion being revealed and my righteousness. God saved me from my self-righteousness. And now Christ is revealed in me. And if you read Philippians chapter 3, he said, not having mine own righteousness which is after the law, but the righteousness of God by faith in Christ. And so that's the theme in Galatians chapter 1 that Paul is establishing. He's not just railing on men. He is saying, the message we have believed about faith in Jesus Christ and that I preach unto you is not of men. It is of God. Therefore, anything outside of that is false and must be rejected. We'll see more as we go through the book of Galatians. But tonight, I guess my heart would be to say, let's be Bible people. Let's be Bible people that that rest what we believe on what God says, not on what man says. May I some just from a practical standpoint, what are the what are the what are the, the snares for us right now? I mean, do you really think Next Sunday, somebody's going to walk in here and grab a bunch of you and say, hey, let's go have a class so I can teach you how to go back under the law. How do false gospels get introduced to us today and where do we practically need to be on guard against these things? How many of you, can we just be honest? How many of you would say, my flesh struggles with spending time, quality time in my Bible? How many say, I struggle, and I didn't say you succumb to it, you can grow and learn to love and be consistent. 
But I struggle to spend personal time with God in prayer, seeking and asking Him to teach me the things I don't understand from His Word. You know what's easy to do? It's easy to get caught up in something that's a little easier to take, a little easier to swallow, and that will inflate the pride. The Galatians were getting caught up with something that said, you know, instead of having to pay attention to the Holy Spirit of God, Paul will deal with that in Galatians 5. You need to walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you're not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't need the law to keep you in the lust of the flesh. The Spirit of God will do that. Listen to Him. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that will guide you. As you've received Him, so walk in Him. But you know what's easier than walking in the Spirit? Listening to someone's false message. Just read their book and do what they say, and then you've got one, two, three Christianity. I'm telling you, it's a problem in our day. We get to where we follow blogs and follow authors instead of listening to the mind of God. And God uses men. Paul deals with that. He's not saying God doesn't use men. He was one. What he's saying is don't replace the message of men, doctrines that have been crafted by men that are contrary to the word of God. We need to follow the Lord, and that's how God gets glory. And so, again, I don't want to get into the rest of the book. We're not there yet. But I believe Galatians 1, that's the establishment is that I brought you a message from God, so anything outside of that is not true. Look at my life. I had what you're going into, and I gave it up that I might have Christ. And so then tonight, don't, don't, don't settle for a false gospel. I believe it does as well, just in in closing. When we're hearing someone who wants to give us instruction about how to live the Christian life, get down to what they believe is the basis of righteousness in their life. And if they are teaching you to go back to confidence in your performance in the flesh rather than in the work of Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. We are made righteous through Christ and faith in him alone. Mm -hmm.